The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, friends. I'm your host, Chris Thrill. I'm a former Royal Marines commando. I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Hello, friends. Um, So today, we're going to talk about learning to fly. You should all do it. You should all do it. Seriously, you know, you you get one life, right? If you're not going to take this life seriously and you're going to, I don't know, spend it watching soap operas or drinking it away, well, probably done a lot of that, to be in truth. Um, but you know, you gotta take it seriously. If you wanna fly aeroplanes, go and do it. And I'm just gonna tell you a bit about how, uh, how I did that. I just went and flew planes. So I'm a qualified pilot. And that's a really nice thing to be. I took my license in the United States. So I came under, is it federal, the federal aviation authority? That means I have my license for life. Unlike the UK, where if you do it under the Civil Aviation Authority here, you uh, you get your license for, I think it's a year. Someone can correct me in the comments. And then it's it's like null and void unless you've passed a certain amount of uh, flying time and, and, out, and hours. And a medical, of course. I'll talk a bit more about that. Anyway, what's the globe for? Folks. Always have a globe. I'm serious. When I, when I had almost nothing in my life due to drugs, clinical psychosis, um, I had a globe. I bought it at a car boot sale. That's like a, for our American brothers and sisters, it's like a yard sale, right? You, I don't know if you have these things over there. You sell out the boot of your car, right? So I bought one of these and one day when I had my worst, biggest, nervous breakdown I marked on the map on the globe everywhere I was going to travel 80 different countries on all seven continents and I focused my mind I changed a few paradigms I took action and I sought most importantly balance in my life you know it's all right to go out partying but you've got to balance it off with 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 the positive stuff right you know with with the less destructive stuff, let's say. So yeah, so I marked off 80 countries on the globe and then I just went and traveled to all of them. So I've lived, worked and traveled in 80 countries across all seven continents. And if I died tomorrow, not not that I plan to, but if I was on my deathbed tomorrow, I'm really happy, you know. I want nothing in this world. Um, I want nothing in this world. And if I can help you to get in this same boat, then. Uh, my my work is done. So, how does it come about? When you're a kid, you look up at the sky and you see aeroplanes, right? 
maybe never think you're going to fly them one day. Maybe it's not that important. I don't know. I can't say I ever really thought that, but I did look up at planes because I think everyone does, right? And then I was in a situation where I think I was in New Zealand backpacking and I decided to do my first skydive. And I didn't want to do all that tandem stuff because that's not really a skydive, is it? I mean, it's a skydive, but you're not doing it. You don't even have a, a parachute on. The parachute or the canopy is attached to the instructor. And I figured, well, if I do the first stage of the advanced freefall course, I might be paying double the money. So it's 200 bucks instead of 100. But that's like the first jump towards qualifying as a skydiver if I want to take this further later, right? So that's what I did. And one of the other students was a girl, an English girl. We got chatting and she said, I'm a pilot. Well, I honestly think it's good to have that kind of mind or to develop that kind of mind where you take interest in these things. So she says I'm a pilot. The first thing that's in my head is I'm really impressed. I'm not envious. I'm not jealous. None of that stupid stuff, you know. I'm really impressed and I want to learn more. I want to hear more about this because if I don't, if I don't show an interest, then where's my life going to end up? You know, if I don't show an interest in, in the things that are, are good, they're fun, they're adventurous, they're exciting, they're, they're achievements, then no one else is going to do it for me, right? So I've got that mind. You might come to me tomorrow and say that your hobby is, I don't know, mountaineering, cycling, collecting earthworms. Doesn't matter. I'm going to ping you loads of questions. I want to hear about it and I want to learn, right? So, so this girl says I'm a pilot and I think, wow, what a cool thing to do. How amazing. And I want to know, how did you do it? So she told me she took a test in the UK. It took a long time because the weather here is, you know, it can be atrocious. Uh, I was going to say at best, but it's not that bad. But, you know, it can be so bad that you... You can't learn to be a pilot for the simple reason when you do your flying lessons, you fly without instruments. You've got no navigation equipment other than the rudimentary stuff. So you can't just hit a button and then your plane's going to be guided into the airport. You have to be able to see. They call it visual, flying visual, right? So she said, I did it in the UK, took ages because of the weather, but I finally got there and and I remember she told me she made a mistake that she was leaving one um, kind of area of responsibility for one control tower and she was moving into the next area. So she was going to like a different, uh, say, city or county and they have different air traffic control. And she hadn't radioed the air traffic control to tell them that she was leaving and, and they, they soon get hold of you because they see you on the radar, right? So that I remember her telling me that story. So moving forward, I one day had some money in the bank, not a lot. It was actually in English, £2,700. I got it. It was some bank thing. I think it was, I was owed money from, from like 
the savings plan on my house because they'd missold me it, this kind of thing. So I got this money in the bank and I'm able to travel cheap because I, I'm, I'm, I know how to go without luxuries. And I called a flight school in the United States. First of all, I bought a flying magazine. I picked a flight school in there. I called them. Uh, they told me the price. Um, in fact, the school that I called, it was actually an agent in the UK that worked on behalf of an American in Florida. And I spoke to this guy in the UK and he said, yeah, I, I, I act as an agent for a flight school called Tradewinds in Florida. And as a, if I put customers this guy's way, he lets me go over there and fly for free. So I said, you know, what's the price? He said, 2,700 pounds. But wow, that's, that's kind of like cheap compared to what, what I've heard you can pay. To give you an idea, if you learned in the UK, you're talking over 10,000 pounds. And, and you've got to remember, I did this in 2005 ish. It's about, what's that? 13, 14 years ago. So that money now is considerably more, but I'm talking in the, the figures back then. Um, so that's it. As I always say, that is your first commitment. Call the, the, you know, whatever it is you want to do in life, call up, pay a deposit, pay the money. Then, then, then there's no going back. You're, you're committed, right? So I called up the guy. Yep. I want to come. What do I pay up front? Right. Pay a deposit. I don't know. $500, whatever. Yep. There you go. Then you book your flights. In this case, I had to fly to Orlando and he's going to come and pick me up. So that was all cool. You paid your flights. You're going. There's, n there's no going back. With this, with the flying, you don't need to do any uh, research beforehand. You can learn everything there. Um, if I was learning beforehand, this was kind of the days, not before the internet, but when before I really started using the internet. So I probably wouldn't have known you know, I'd have had to go to the library and get a book on how to fly an aeroplane, right? If they have one. So I'm committed. I've got my flight, flew to the States. I've got a bit of spending money when I'm there. The guy's going to organize um, accommodation. And I think we're going to pay a token amount for it. I don't think it was in the, in the price of the flight. I can't remember. So I rocked up in Florida. This guy, Ernie, came and picked me up. As we drove from Orlando to Fort Pierce, which is where the flight school was, he's stopped at this river. In fact, no, I said to him, I said, uh, say, Ernie, are there, um, there's alligators in Florida, right? He went, wait, pulled the car over the side of the road, went, look, this river was full of them and they were huge. I thought for some reason, maybe they were, they were small, but now they're like six, six foot, maybe seven foot. Um, there's also a biker bar that's full of all these Hells Angels or, or actually there were, uh, Marine, ex-Marines bikers. So like myself, an ex-Marine. Um, but they were all like celebrating victory in Vietnam. So I didn't kind of like to tell them that maybe they got that a bit, a bit wrong. Anyhow, got to the flight school or got to, um, got to Fort Pierce, put us in this really, it, I call it a roach motel. Well, it wasn't, it, it was fine. I'm not really fussy, right? But it was a, this accommodation that was really run down, had the kind of old swimming pool and, and yeah, that was it. 
met a couple of guys that I was uh, going to be learning to fly with. They were also on the course. One was called Appy from Austria. And the other guy was called, I don't remember his name. Let's call him Toby. Uh, he's a South African guy. He's a big guy. The only guy I've ever met that only ate candy, sweets, sweets in English, just ate crap, absolute crap all day long. He was huge. Um, probably life expectancy, I'd say 45, definitely no more than 50. And that was it. I won't go too deeply into the, into the technicals about flying, but what I will say is it's not like flying, it's not like driving a car in the sky, which I kind of thought it was going to be. You've, um, you've obviously learned the principles of flight, the principles of flying an aircraft, what the ailerons do, what the rudder pedals do, how to brake. And in that three, it, it, the course was three weeks. Crazy, isn't it? You can learn to become a pilot, a private pilot in three weeks. Whereas when you drive a car, you maybe have lessons for a year. In the UK, we do anyway, because our, our driving test is really quite strict criteria. So that was it. I went up with this guy, Ernie, and uh, he's a funny character. I rocked up with a bottle of whiskey that I bought at the airport for him, you know, when I left the UK, duty-free whiskey. Bottle of scotch, you can call it. First thing he did was look at it, like stare at it and go, oh, I better hide this. Because uh, I'm an alcoholic, my wife can't see. So, so he hid this bottle in his office. Why he didn't just say sorry? I don't drink. Keep it. I don't know. And uh, alcoholic instead. He never, never used stigmatizing words like that. He had a problem with alcohol, right? Is what, what you, you know is better to say. You don't call someone who's got cancer a cancer, right? So why you call you know someone who's got a problem with drugs a druggie or a or a smackhead or whatever. Anyway, digress. So I noticed he was a really rubbish instructor. He just used to shout if you if you didn't get it. And I mean, I'd never flown a plane before, so how am I supposed to know? He's supposed to be teaching me, right? Anyway, the thing that I struggled the hardest with was landings because I just assumed I didn't know enough about the dynamics of about aerodynamics, right? And how the wing of an aeroplane works and how it's like a bird that when you come into land, I thought you just came down like this. Uh -uh. You thought that you are wrong with a capital W. W. Anyway, no, you don't. You come in like a bird landing on a pond. So Come down, probably not making the right noises, but come in like that. And when you get to that point, you hit a cushion of air here. And that's why you don't just smash into the runway. You come down, you hit that cushion, drop, you keep your nose up, and that cushion floats you down the runway. And eventually, gravity just brings you down like that. Once you've learned it, it's it's easy. Um, hang on. Sorry. Someone's trying to call me. They're gone. So anyway, once you've learned it, it's really easy. And not just that, but I got really good at landing. I could come down like that, hit the wheels of the plane, 
just two wheels, not the three, not not the 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 front wheel. Just come down, put the power on again, and and then take off again. It's it was great. So I one time. Here's the thing, right? After twelve hours, I flew solo. How can you fly a plane after twelve hours instruction? You can't even pass a driving test in a car unless you've had like forty, fifty hours. And yet, after just twelve hours, they'll let you take a plane up if you can demonstrate you know how to fly safely and land it. You can do all the radio procedure to the um, to the air traffic control. Uh, yeah. So after twelve hours, which was about day five, let's say something like that, they he just said to me, "Okay, Chris." Over to you if you think you can land this thing, but then you get in a plane on your own. And I tell you what, I just went to my default. Don't think about it. Seriously, don't think about the danger and the risk because if you do that, you know, you're just you're just chucking petrol on the fire when you don't need to. But just get in. As far as I'm concerned, just imagine the instructor still next to me and just do what you've been taught. And that's what I did. And I, I, I did, you know, obviously flew around, did a circuit, came back in, landed. Um, and one time I decided I was going to, and that's the thing. When you, when you get this competent, you can then just take the, in fact, the airplanes don't even have a key, believe it or not. You might have a key to lock the door. But you push a button to, to start them. Uh, so one time I just went across the airfield, hopped in the plane. What I used to do is, because this guy was so rubbish at teaching me, which was costing me money, in the end, I didn't, after the three weeks, I had to pay another, uh, like, week just to get proficient to pass the flying test, right? And I was a bit cross about that because it wasn't my fault. It was just this guy was a, was a friggin' asshole. He couldn't teach. He just used to shout and get really angry. And it was just things that he could have taught me easily if he just calmed down and tried to see it from, from a student perspective. Anyway, so what I did is I used to go over there and there was something you could do to so the plane wouldn't show the mileage it had done. I honestly, I can't quite remember what it was. I used to pull a tube, I used to reach behind the control panel pull a tube off one of the instruments and then it wouldn't it wouldn't like register the air miles so i'd go and do that so i'd go and like have a le- whole lesson to myself fly for an hour or two hours and then put this tube back on and then it couldn't tell that i'd been up in the plane right so and you refuel it you have a card that's tucked into the windscreen like you pull out this credit card thing and you refuel the plane so there's no, you can't tell by the sort of fuel gauge, you know. Anyway, not enough about my criminality. So one time I took the plane to an airport called Okeechobee. It was about half hour flight, flying time from Fort Pierce. And it was just basically a runway strip out in the sticks, so out in the swamps. And they had a cafe there at weekends where people would fly out and they take their family to this cafe restaurant thing, right? <coughs> Excuse me, I'll edit that out. But anyway, I flew to Okeechobee. There was nobody else there because it was late. It was getting late in the day, and 
Here's an interesting thing. When you fly to these airports in the sticks, if you fly at night, you fly down over the runway and you key your mic button eight times, I think it was. Might be 12 times. You key it one like that. And what happens is it automatically switches on the runway lights, which then go right out in front of you. It was like something from Star Wars. Amazing experience. I told you, you've got to fly. You've got to go and fly, right? Just have one lesson if that's the, you know, if, you, if you're up against a budget. Um, so anyway, I flew to Okeechobee. I'm doing all these landings. And I noticed there was nobody else around. So I did something you really shouldn't do. I was coming in landing this way. And because the wind was minimal, I was just turning the plane around at the end of the runway and taking off immediately the other way. Now, technically, you can do that. You've got a radio to let other aircraft know you're going to do it. But of course, I can't see any other aircraft. You, you get lulled into this false sense of security thinking you're on your own. So I spun the plane around, took off, and then another pilot came on the radio and he's like, I can't remember my call sign. It was like November 50 or something. And he's like, um, November 50, this is Yankee Foxtrot Zero Alpha. Uh, are you intending to take off in that direction again? <laughs> and uh, I'm like, um, November 50, uh, yeah, I think the wind has changed over. It was a complete lie. I was just covering up my embarrassment, right? Um, you can imagine the danger of two planes meeting on the run runway like that. So anyway, it got late in the afternoon and I thought, right, I need to start heading back. And it was starting to get dusk and my heart started to panic because it's two things. One, I've got no instruments on the plane to fly in the dark. The other thing, as a student pilot, it's strictly forbidden against FAA regulations to fly at night. So I took off. By the time I got up to altitude, so we're talking like 5,000 feet, um, it was pitch black. And I'm just having a major try not to panic moment. Just it was one of those, oh, my freaking God, what have I done? What have I done? What what do I do? What do I do? So I'm faced with a dilemma. Do I go back, land at Okeechobee, in which case I'll have to sleep in the aeroplane to avoid all the alligators, right? There's nowhere else to sleep. Or do I continue? And I looked in the distance and 12 miles away where Fort Pierce was, I could see the beacon on the airport. So as long as we didn't get weather, clouds, I could just follow that beacon and I'd get back to the airport. But then I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for flying at night. So started to put lights on the plane, right? I put the, the wing lights on, you know, you've got like a red light and a green. I read, don't correct me on that. I can't remember what it was, but you've got your wing lights. You've got um, tail light and you've got a flashing landing spotlight, right? So I'd, I'm just putting, I'm putting them all on, right? So hopefully, uh, you know, the trees can see me and then get out of the way. I would have put on the Christmas lights too, if I could have found them. So I fly back to Fort Pierce, and when you approach the runway, you've got to radio the tower, okay? Not aircraft traffic control. You go to the tower, and they will give you either a holding position, 
while they while other traffic comes in and you wait for it to land or they'll give you traffic they'll say look out for a a, a jet or a or a this or a cessna and you look out for it and when you see it you tell them and then they say right follow that one in and then you follow that down to the runway or they give you a straight on a, a come straight in approach right so i radioed the tower and i'm thinking oh my god I really hope it's that guy in the airplane movie, the one that's like snorting coke and sniffing glue and he's floating around the tower like, yeah, man, just just come on in. And yeah, it was that guy. He's like, yep, November 5th, bravo, no problem. Uh, I've, if I'm going to give you these coordinates for an approach and he gave me these coordinates and I'm checking the map where I have to go and he, I'm going to come in. And then, uh, and then he got back on the radio and said, nope, uh, November for zero, cancel my last. If you want a straight in approach, you've got it. So basically, the traffic that he thought was coming in is not coming in. I can just go straight into the airport, which I did. So I'm there. It's at night time. I'm landing on a on an airport uh, on a on a runway that's designed for like you know DC tens and and you know Lear jets and that sort of thing and all the lights are lit up just for me and I'm landing this tiny Cessna like that bang right I did the best landing that I'd ever done right down this this runway and then this kind man in the tower even directs me where to park the plane you know they don't have to do that they give you an exit to come off the runway then you find your own way back to the, they call it the pan I think where you leave the airplane and he's like all oh, right, I'm going to take a right now. Right now, take a left. And it was, it was really nice. And, and my heart was just like, whew. So, yeah, so that was it. My test came around. So you spent half the time in the classroom, half the time flying. My test came around. I, I paid the flight school these extra hours just to make sure that I, I, I felt good to, to, to fly. It was a Swedish instructor, funny enough, over there in Florida, came to, to meet me. And I almost screwed it up right from the beginning. You've got a white line across the runway and you can taxi around. That's fine because all you're going to do is like bump into another plane at worst case scenario, right? You never go over that line onto the runway unless the tower has given you permission. It's called the hold line or the no-go pass line or, or something. So I'm taxiing down the, um, the uh, I can't remember the name of them, the, what are they called? The taxiway. Huh. Taxiing down the taxiway. Yeah. So I'm taxiing down the taxiway and I get to that line, which is onto the runway. And of course, I haven't radioed the tower for permission to cross that line. And just as I crossed the line, I remembered, I saw it come under the nose of the aircraft. Oh, shit. It was obvious that I was just about to go over it. And what prompted me was I saw this this uh, tester, flight tester, flinch like that. And as he went like that, I just slammed my foot on the brakes, pretending like like I'd seen it. And he went, are you uh, allowed to go over that line? And I just looked at him and went, no. You've got to get permission from the tower. He said, Okay. You could see, like, he wasn't sure if, I mean, the truth was, I was just going to go over it because he flinched. I went, ah, bang, and I hit the, the brakes. So, um, did my test and it all went perfectly. 
you, you have to do loads of um, emergency drills. Like he'll just cut your engine when you're not expecting it. And you've got to find a place out in the country to land. So he cuts the engine. He goes, right, what do you do? I said, well, if I'm coming into water, I'd be opening my door now and putting my foot in the door so that when we hit the door, I don't get trapped in the, the airplane because of the water pressure on the doors. I said, I'm trying to restart the engine. I'm going through the uh, checklist. First thing you do, always go to the checklist because there's a checklist for everything, unless you haven't got time, of course. I'm going to the checklist, da -da 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 -da, trying to restart the engine. You go, okay, it's not working. What do you do? Right now, I'm looking for a place to land. Okay, where? Uh, I'm looking around, and you just look for any flat spot. I mean, if you're going to put that plane down, you're going to put it down in the road. You're going to put it down in a, in a schoolyard. You know, as long as you don't hit someone, you're going to put it anywhere, right? Um, and I pointed to a flat space of land, some farmer's fields or something, right? And he went, are you sure you put it there? And I could tell by the way he said the question that uh, like I'd missed something. So I just turned around like that. And there was, a, there was a runway, a private run strip. You get a lot of these in America. A lot of people in Florida, probably all over America, they fly from their own back gardens, like they're farmers or whatever. And they've got these runway strips. And I just saw one. I went, ah, no, I, I put it down over there. And he's like, yeah, good. <laughs> so then we came in. We're doing all these practice landings. And I'm just coming down and he's going, right, go around. That means you're not landing, you're taking off again. And I didn't just come down and land. I came down, touched my two wheels on along my way and just took off again. It, I just had complete control of that plane. It was amazing. And finally, we pulled to a stop, parked the plane, then began about three hours of questions, just three hours, right. What do you do if this happens? You've got cumulonimbus cloud at 5,000 feet. What's the, what's the rule about that? You know, there's all these kind of rules. You've got to stay this distance away from cloud. What if you're coming, you know, what, what altitude should you be if you're flying north? What should you be if you're flying south? They do them differently. So one plane is not going to hit the other, right? Uh, what do you do if you're going to crash into water? What do you do if you're flying over water? What do you do if you go if you're mapping a route to the Bahamas? All this stuff, right? You've got to learn it all, obviously. And uh, so did all that. Then they take you outside and they walk you around the plane and lift up the the bonnet in um, in uh, American. I think the word is cowling, right? I might be wrong. Lift up and he's pointing out this. What does this do? Oh, that's the exhaust. What does this do? Oh, it's the ailerons. What are the, what are they for? Are oh, they you know? make the plane do do this okay what about your tires did it? and it goes on and on anyway i cut this short because he pulled out his pad and went okay that's enough he opened it and he pulled out a pink it, don't correct someone correct me on the color it's either a pink or a yellow the one he pulled out was the failure so he pulled out this pink and went and my heart just dropped it was the worst feeling in the world. I failed, you know. And then he just lifted his pad and tucked that slip underneath and pulled out pulled out the right colour one and went, Yeah, congratulations. You're a pilot. Like that. And it was you know, it was brilliant. 
and if I never fly again in my life, I'm honestly not bothered. It's just such a nice thing to be. It's such a brilliant experience. So great to be up there on your own, just flying around, doing silly landings. I used to fly down over the sea, over the shark, and see how many sharks I could see. Really, really good. So, yeah. So you remember, buy the ticket. That's your commitment, okay? Whatever chances, buy your ticket. Two, you begin with the end in mind. So already, when I'm flying to America, I'm, I've passed the course in my mind. I'm getting to the end of it, passing that course. You do everything that, that it takes, you know? Um, they're the two main ingredients. All the other planning you can do in, in, in between. Buy the ticket, begin with the end in mind. You go and give it your all. And uh, yeah, it's surprising what you can achieve. Cheers, friends. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.